0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Jerry Talk, a podcast for modern caregivers, juggling work, home, family, kids, and finances, all while caring for an aging parent or loved one. I'm your host, Kelly Adams, a certified senior advisor and founder and CEO of Beyond Home Care. Today on the program, we're talking about being more organized, but in a way you may not expect. I'm joined today by Jennifer Gumbel, an estate and probate attorney in Minnesota, who specializes in an organized afterlife. Her website and podcast, An Organized Afterlife, is aimed to change how people think about estate planning, their legacy, and to reduce the to-do list you'll leave for the people who grieve you at your death. I love having a different perspective on a topic, and this is a unique and practical way, really, to think about your legacy and ultimately your assets. Let's get into our conversation with Jennifer. Jennifer, if you'll give us just kind of a background about yourself and let our listeners know who you are and and where you're coming from. All right. Well,
1: I am I like to call myself the death lawyer, but I do estate planning and probate. Probate is the law that comes up when people are either incapacitated, but mostly Most of the laws surrounding death and the legal issues that come up, that's usually getting assets where they need to go on to the next owner. And the estate planning part is just looking at what that legal to-do list is probably going to look like and strategizing ways to make that to-do list
0: manageable instead of kind of messy. Mm-hmm. So your website is the Organized Afterlife. So tell me, what is an Organized Afterlife? Well, it is thinking through that legal to-do list. Uh, Something that I really advocate for
1: is doing your estate plan with an attorney, because it's not Mm -hmm. just about having good documents, although that's that's an important piece, but strategizing what that to-do list looks like now and understanding what would happen if you don't do anything further, and strategizing ways to to minimize that to-do list and getting the the documents and importantly, the ownership of assets to make that something that's manageable.
0: Yeah. So let's kind of dive into that to-do list. You know, death is, it's never something we like to talk about, right? Right. We're, we're all going to die at some point, but we really don't want to think about that. But for a lot of our audience, that is a realization that once mom or dad passes, there's a to-do list that will come with that. Mm-hmm. And so can you kind of talk to us from that legal side? What does that to-do list look like just in generalities?
1: Well, it it's going to depend on what you own, how you own it, and how it transfers. Most people are going to have two different types of assets. They're going to have assets that tell us where they're supposed to go. The most common example is life insurance policies. When you take out that policy, your agent will ask you where you know where do we write that check when you pass away?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's gonna go regardless of what anything else says. They'll usually, you know, there's a few limited exceptions to that, but usually they'll write it right out to the person who's named. And then there are other types of assets that are stuck. They don't tell us where they're supposed to go. And for that, that's when we look to a will and go through some sort of legal process to make sure it gets to the right place, that the right people are responsible for getting it there.
0: Okay. So as the primary family caregiver, Mm -hmm. is this person automatically the person who would probate the estate or could that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, not necessarily. So when someone passes away and they have stuck assets, Depending on the state, it's, it's going to you know all different states have different rules. I live in Minnesota, where we seem to be well known for having terrible taxes, and really, actually, yeah. not not that bad. Um, they've gotten a lot better than they used to be, but we're pretty good with probates. And what we do is we take a look at what's stuck, and then we take a look at what kind of pro- legal process do we have to go through. Most people will have you know. Household goods and clothes and things like that, personal items that aren't going to transfer automatically. There's no document that says that these things move to a next person. But depending on what's stuck, that will dictate whether or not we have to go to a court and have someone appointed to transfer and have have some authority. And that, if the person has a will, then the will's going to be you know just like Greg was talking about. The will's The court's going to have a chance to see if that's the the correct will to follow. And if it is, then the court will generally follow what the will requests to be the personal representative. If not, then we look at the fallback rules and we run into things like spouses first. If a spouse isn't there, then we look at kids equally. So that takes some coordination and agreement. And for some families, that works out well. And Sometimes it doesn't. Right
0: yeah and I think that when you're looking at especially our audience, these are going to be older individuals a lot of times who come from blended families, Yes. um maybe a previous spouse has passed and they've remarried, and then there's lots of children involved you know children before the second marriage and so, you just knowing that, are there some things that people need to really think about when they're talking to mom and dad about planning for their estate? Mm-hmm. Blended
1: families are some of the the biggest and most common examples of people who probably shouldn't be relying on what the state is going to guess for them. Nuclear families who get along, all of the kids kind of have their heads screwed on straight. The state is pretty good at guessing, you know, what people wanted, and usually that's fairly similar, but. Blended families, especially, there's almost no two blended families that are alike. You want different you want some different rights for the surviving spouse. You want some families want to treat kids all the same because they've been together for a really long time. Other ones say, No, my my assets go to my kids, your assets go to your kids. So how do you coordinate all of that?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: what the state guesses for you is almost never going to fit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that. You know, you said if all the kids have their heads screwed on right. so (laughs) Which is always, you know, if yes. And I think the reality is is that if there are plans placed, Mm -hmm. then you really do allow for your family to have a better, not only a better grieving process, but Mm -hmm. things have been laid out for them. And so there's just not as much. Guesswork. There's not as much ability, I guess, for the kids not to to get along. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm sure in your line of work, in my line of work, I've seen some really nasty family situations happen simply because we did not plan. Right. I I
1: think the family conversations and everyone knowing what to expect ahead of time really help foster the foster relationships between each other, keep those relationships healthy, and you know the we talk about the word legacy in these grand ways mm-hmm. right like you leave a legacy and it's usually talking about money or some sort of grand idea and really everyone leaves a legacy and unfortunately sometimes that legacy is a mess that people look at and it's complicated and they're in the midst of grief and not thinking clearly and have bad experiences with each other that sometimes a legacy can can really be hurtful to the relationships that people have, you know, that the people that you're leaving behind have with each other.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, talking about that organization part of it. So I think this is really good for not only just caregivers who are thinking about their parents, and at some point having to organize that estate, but really also for themselves, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we can't really plan for tomorrow. And unfortunately, it seems that something bad happens, and that's when it when we react. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not as very we're not as proactive. My my aunt actually passed away. It'll be five years in March. She was forty nine, and so there was no expectation that she was going to pass. It was mm-hmm. just an illness that that kind of came up. And I remember digging through boxes of paperwork, trying to find life insurance policies, trying to find the will, and so. You know, we I've heard you talk in other podcasts about organizing, how we organize our lives. You know, we organize our drawers, we organize our weeks. Let's talk about organizing those documents and really just what are some good practices?
1: Yeah. So I like to have documents in an easy to find spot. But just beyond the documents, really understanding the things that you own. And what's mm. going to happen to them when you pass away? So here's kind of, it seems like a minor example, but I'll tell you, if something happens, you know, if something happens, it could be a, it could be kind of a hurtful hoop to jump through. So here's the example: um, the last car we got, my husband wasn't, my husband was able to go down and get it, but I wasn't able to go with, and so that meant that my name didn't get on the title to the car. Mm-hmm. And so he's the sole owner. Now, knowing what I know and understanding the other assets we have, how we own them, that we own them in a way that one person you know, gets hit by a truck, the other person becomes the owner with, without it hitting the estate, it automatically transfers as that first kind of asset where it's not stuck. Then I know that the value of that vehicle is not going to require me to go to court but i will have to go through some hoops to get that transferred into my name that i wouldn't otherwise had to go through and so that's something you know just like organizing a drawer you know and after a while it kind of gets out of whack again mm-hmm. and you have to go back and reorganize it you know it's something that you constantly have to keep up on yeah. and that's that's where i think i think my industry has really really missed getting the information out to people that there's some important DIY that people need to do when it comes to minimizing that legal to-do list for people later. And the important DIY that that people need to do is that financial organization. When they get mm-hmm. an asset thinking, how do I own this? Am I am I owning this in the way that's coordinated with my estate plan? Will it follow my plan? And is this moving in the most efficient way that I want it to? So things like getting the car title with both spouses names in the right way that that it just takes a little bit of paperwork to get it to transfer.
0: Mm-hmm you know you, you start thinking back to all of the assets that you own you know especially if you're in your middle age and mm-hmm. things get it messy does, <laughs> it's it amazing how much it does and it seems a little overwhelming too mm-hmm. i mean is there a place that you start is there a, a beginning process to this or um, mm-hmm. well, just thinking I, of someone who's listening right now yeah. thinking oh my gosh i have no idea what i'm doing <laughs>
1: right yeah well and and just imagine you know when you already know you need to do a, you know you need to or you should be doing a will. you think because you've been told that and then this like trust and you know you know you need to go get documents. and that can be overwhelming enough mm-hmm. for people. but then adding in this other layer of financial organization, that can feel very overwhelming. One of the first first things you can do is just list out what you have. Okay? So you can get a handle on, okay, this is the real estate that I own. What I like to do, what I've done with my, with our own, with my husband and my plan is, we have a copy of our of our deed with the important documents, so people can understand. Okay, this is the real estate they had as well, and it's all in one spot for them. And Greg mentioned this, and when I heard it, I almost I was listening to my car, and I I think I had like a, I verbalized some sound because I was so excited <laughs> that one of the first things he does is pull the deed. And that's the mm. one of the first things I do, especially with couples, is I want to know how people own own the property, and especially if the surviving spouse is is supposed to be the sole owner. I want to make sure that that's what the deed reflects. And a lot of not a lot of times, every once in a while, it, it won't, and people don't had no idea that it would be stuck, and we we would have to go through a probate process because it's real estate. Here we have to do that right. real estate, and. So the one of the first things to go through is real estate, because in a lot of states that can alone be a trigger for probate. Going through bank accounts, looking at if you've listed, if it's listed to transfer automatically or not. And then when you go in to meet with an attorney, knowing what you have and how it's transferring, and then asking, hey, is this going to work well in my situation? Or is this maybe creating its own nightmare? Either it's stuck and it and your family situation really doesn't need it to be. People get along well. They communicate well. The assets are fairly easy to manage. And there's an expectation or there, it's a pretty good bet that it transferring to them automatically will work well. Or on the flip side, you've set up an automatic transfer to people who are never going to be able to deal with this <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in, in a constructive way. And so are you better off... In some states, I would say not many states, but some states doing a trust, which also requires its own financial, you have to be very financially organized to make sure all of your assets are governed by that. But in right. many states, just saying, hey, let's, let's make use of that probate process and some of those hoops that you have to go through are actually very helpful for the situation. And that's, that's where an attorney can help strategize that for you.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times people just want to try to do things themselves. Mm-hmm. And I get that to a degree. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I'm a big DIYer. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Me too. you know, I mean, that's just part of it. I think that's how we're made. But I think there comes a point when you realize that your skill set that someone else could bring value there. And and an attorney really is a valuable partner, especially when we're talking to caregivers who are asking questions about, you know, making sure that mom and dad's estates are set up correctly. And then even, you know, topic for a whole nother time is the Medicaid side of it and planning for that, Uh putting money into trusts. I mean, all of those things really do need to be, you need to have a valuable partner. You need to have somebody who you feel very comfortable with and can, can have good conversations mm-hmm. about the process. Cause if we try to DIY it on, you know, ourselves or even in some of these online resources, I can only imagine the headaches that people <laughs> well, see on the back end.
1: Yes. And and there's uh resources are really hard because there's there's a ton of resources out there. And I think they run into a couple problems. Number one, they're not very clear or or they give very detailed information. And sometimes it's just not applicable to your situation you know high level tax strategies that you know for taxes that don't impact a lot of people or very state specific strategies you know the the one i the one i think about often is everyone needs a living trust to avoid probate well you know a lot of states probate isn't bad there are some states where it's awful but just setting up a living trust isn't going to avoid the probate it's coordinating your assets. So your assets say they are governed by that trust. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a lot of instances where people don't understand that. And they, they set up the living trust with the expectation that they're going to avoid probate. And then they don't think about it later as they get other assets. And there's a need for a probate. <laughs> those other assets aren't don't say they're governed by the trust. They're, the deed for the real estate says nothing about a trust. Right. And then there's the trust and it can be very state specific. In my state we have very easy ways to transfer assets to outside of probate that are also different than a trust and maybe easier. So figuring I mean it's just there's there's an overwhelming amount of information. The information that out that's out there a lot of times is is kind of written for specific things or, or at a high level, I think it's, you know, half the time lawyers talking to each other (laughs) instead of to normal people and it can just feel very overwhelming. So really having someone who can dispel, you know, dispel the misconceptions that can, that can talk you through what's going to happen where you're at, where in the state you're located in is really beneficial.
0: So how often do we really need to like reorganize our financial documents are, mm-hmm. you know, just how often do we need to revisit that?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's just something you keep in mind as you as you acquire assets, right? It's that car, I mean, going down to get car title. Oh, well, only one person is on the title. We need to we need to get that straightened out, and. It's good when you get your estate plan looked at to just verify that things are correct and talk that through. Are the beneficiary designations that you put on your retirement account when the kids were little, should that be updated and changed now that they're adults? And the answer for most people is probably going to be a yes. And that's something that you can do as you have your estate plan checked on, you know, every you know maybe 5 to 10 years or when there's a life change just to just to see if everything's working right if there's ways that things could maybe move easier if the law has changed or if your circumstances have have changed
0: yeah i think back to i knew someone once who had a life insurance policy and she got divorced no but yeah. she did not change the life insurance policy
1: yeah that and, is more common than it should be
0: yeah I mean, and you just I guess in those situations you don't think about that change. Right. And how important that is. But, well, and but it, unfortunately, it, it, it was, you know, it was a big deal.
1: Yeah. And it highlights it highlights that it's a misconception that the will fixes everything. It really is. What do you own, how you own it, and does it tell us where to go? And if it doesn't, then we look to the will. But if it does, we're gonna follow what, what that says. With life insurance policies, I know my state does this. There are there are some states that have a rule that says if there's a divorce, you can you can you can ask the court to ignore that. But anytime you're saying after a death, go ask a court, now you now you have a complication. And if if the way to get out of it is just going to your insurance agent and fixing it, you know, that was an easy thing to avoid.
0: Right. Yeah, it says enforced errors. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So Anything else, Jennifer, that we should know about that we just don't know about when it comes oh, to this? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much. There, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. So, again, going
1: back to, you know, if to your listeners hearing this and, you know, wh- where do I go? What do I, what do I do? The first step is to list out what you own and then start asking the questions. Who's mm-hmm. the beneficiary on this life insurance policy? What did I write down for my beneficiaries on my retirement accounts? All of those things. And then working with a professional, an attorney licensed in your state who can strategize things with you. And I started my website as kind of a way to have good resources, really basic, not state-specific information of things like what's a will or what you know, what is a trust? How does that work? and on my website i have an asset checklist where people can go through and say okay real estate okay let's think about that what do, what real estate do i have and let's pull the deeds and see how that's owned things like cars or retirement accounts and life insurance policies so you can start to list those out and think okay here's what i have and then mm-hmm. do i know where do i know how this transfers and where it goes
0: yeah that's a great resource especially for those caregivers listening who You know, maybe they kind of know what assets mom and dad have, but they have no idea where they are going, or maybe there's more than they didn't realize that they're not part of that financial conversation yet. Mm -hmm. So where can, where can they find that resource?
1: Yeah. So my website's an com, just all lowercase, no punctuation or anything. And they're on the content tab and you can check on the, click on the content tab and there's a whole bunch of resources Click on that, and it's free. You sign up for a for a newsletter, but you can get
0: that, and that can really help walk you through what you need to do. Awesome. I'll put that in our show notes so that it's really easy for people to find. Thank you. Yeah. So anything else, Jennifer, that you can think that our audience would really appreciate hearing about, especially when it comes to aging seniors? Prob- probably one last thing is kind of mm-hmm. a
1: bigger idea thing, is the whole purpose of, of, of doing this? Or, you know, why should, why should you do this when you're in good health? Or isn't this something that you can wait to do until you're, you know, kind of ready to go, which I think is an attitude that a lot of people have. And first of all, again, you don't know when something might come up. And it's just unnecessary to do's just heap added pressure on the grief. And, and so there, there's that aspect of it. But then also, If you take care of this, then you can go on with living and really kind of acknowledging that you don't get forever um, can really alter how you look at things, how you how you approach your day to day life. That Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really helpful and you can really you can really do things that at the end you can be really proud of.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. A lot of times it's the children who really struggle with these conversations, mm-hmm. whereas the senior themselves, they're ready to be practical about things. And mm-hmm. it almost allows someone the opportunity for control Yes, in a process when they have no control. Right. And so these, these conversations, although they can be tough to have, they really should not be stepped around simply because... You don't want to talk to mom and dad about dying, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. And if it's a hard conversation to have, you know, because there are just some pers- personalities and relationship dynamics that it's hard, acknowledging that this is not something you do at- necessarily at- only at the end of life, right. um, that this is something that every every adult should be doing. And so one way to approach it is to say, hey, I'm doing my estate plan and here's what I want you to know about that. That can really open the door for them to say, you know what? It's not that you're saying I'm old or you're expecting me to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, this is something that you as my child understand that this is an adult thing to do. And here is what I'm doing. That can really help help kind of open the conversation.
0: Well, and I think you you have to have little conversation as you go. Yes. And plant some seeds as, as this progresses. It's just like with any kind of conversation, you know, the more open you are, the more we communicate with each other the more likely we're going to have positive outcomes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, well, great. Well, Jennifer, this was great. I really appreciate you taking time to be on Jerry Talk today. Yeah, so happy to do it. Yeah, and I'm going to put your information in the show notes so that everyone has it. And I will let you know when this goes live so that you can share it as well. All right, sounds great. Thank you so much. Yep, thank you. you gained some valuable information from my conversation with Jennifer. I'm not sure about you, but I never really thought about the importance of organizing my deeds and assets in that way. I know I'm going to take some time after this episode to make sure to have all of my assets assigned correctly, and I hope you will too. If you'd like to connect with Jennifer, visit her website at anorganizedafterlife.com. Thanks for joining us today on Jerry Talk. Subscribe to Jerry Talk so you never miss an episode. And share it with a friend, family member, or even on Facebook or Instagram using hashtag JerryTalk. Join us next week for another episode of Jerry Talk. Until then, have a great week.